Blog Talk Radio. Knowledge 
through using the tools available to us. I believe it was KRS-One who says, if they say so much damage can be done through rap music, then fucking how can rap music be used to improve things? If it's all about how it motivates and encourages people, then by all means, let's use it to motivate and encourage people. Well, this is another edition of Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live comes to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. And we usually stay on somewhere between 1.30 and 2 o'clock, maybe even 2.30 if things are going good. And, of course, 12 p.m. on the West Coast would be 3.30 p.m. for our East Coast listeners. And thank you so much for taking for all of you for taking time out of your day to spend with us and listen to what we have to say. But this show is not just about us. It is about you, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, there's so many things that happened this week, big news, big anniversaries, and we want to try to touch on all of them. My co-host today uh, is would normally be Mrs. Angela Thomas. But uh, she's doing some recuperating, and uh, she will be back with us hopefully next week. So here it is. You got me in the air chair all by myself today. So I'm going to need you all to call in and give me a little bit of company. And you can do that by dialing area code 347-9600-347-826-9600. And then press option one on your keypad. I know there were some folks who called in sometimes and said, hey, I, I want to say something, but I, I just didn't know how to get through. So I know there's a prompt, but for those of you who uh, might not hear it, uh, once you dial 347-826-9600, press option one, and that will let the engineer, uh, which today is also me, know that you would like to chat. A little bit about our own voices Live, Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the culture and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. And one of the ways that we do that is through our Own Voices Live, coming to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Uh, we also uh, collaborate with other folks on Blog Talk Radio as well as traditional radio broadcasts. My homeboy, Franklin G., Bronx, New York, who is staying on KCEP, the only African-American radio station in Las Vegas, and I'm told the state of Nevada. He gets down every Friday at 8 o'clock West Coast time on Power 88, 88.1 on your FM dial. That is KCEP. And we also have Brother Levon with Real Radio coming at you from the East Coast in the Beedmore area with Real Radio, Radio Established to Address Life. that comes on at 11 p.m. East Coast time. And then, of course, we have Sister Angela Thomas, with the needle on the record, little music and pop culture discussion on Thursdays at 6.30. And from, I guess we could sort of call it the Midwest, I call it the Great White North up there in the tundra with Brother Tom 
Radio. Tried to get that on to you on Tuesday and uh, been on hiatus, but hopefully the brother will be back soon. So not only do we do that, but we also have our own voices, the print magazine, which is really how this all started. We thought that Americans, we all carry American in our title, whether it's African-American, uh, Irish-American, uh, Mexican-American, Puerto Rican-American, it's just something. And we thought that most of us may not even know our own, own history and for sure don't know much about the other's history. So our own voices lie. A spinoff of our own voices, the print magazine, was sort of foray into trying to educate us on our own culture and history, but educate others on our culture and history, but also to learn about theirs and other and educate others of all of our cultures and histories. As many of you know, and I'm sure some may not, August is actually Native American History Month. That's right. August is Native American History Month. Uh, I was giving a discussion in a college uh, class, and someone says, I just don't believe in African American History Month. It's so selfish, and why are they special? We don't talk about anyone else. And informed him, as I inform all of you, that just about every month has some type of cultural or historic observance. And if the specific group that you belong to is not recognized, there are mechanisms to make that happen. And each year we try to take a month and pick a group or groups that we recognize. And as I said, August is Africa, excuse me, is Native American History Month. And big shout out to all of our Native Americans. Some people call them Indians. Those are the folks that were here before Columbus. And then we can discuss who may have been here before then on another show. Might be surprised. Well, there is our introduction once again, 347-826-9600. We'd love to hear from you all. Our topic today, and there was so much going on this week that it was really tough to narrow it down to one topic. And I know today is going to be a slightly abbreviated show. Normally we're on for 90 minutes. But today we're going to have to cut it short because of one of those observances that's going on here in our local community that I would love to be a part of. And what that is is, did you know that this is the 50th anniversary of voting rights, of the Voting Rights Act? For some, time may have flown by. But for others, it may just be dragging. And for some who was there during the passage of the signing of the Voting Rights Act, you may wonder how much things changed then, but how much things seem to be reverting back. And it is amazing on some of the things that have changed. Uh, there's been portions, uh, provisions of the Voting Rights Act that have been struck down. We actually talked about that uh, last year when it happened. Uh, we're also going to talk about another anniversary. Uh, this one's not so celebratory, maybe celebratory for those who survived it. But, of course, this is the, or actually I believe it was Thursday, was the 70th anniversary of America.
Eric that dropped, I believe it was uh, the first was dropped on Nagasaki, but it could have been on Hiroshima. Some people call it Hiroshima. Uh, but it's been 70 years since that's happened. And, you know, I want to send a big shout-out to our Japanese-American brothers and sisters out there. Uh, some who were in America but had relatives in Japan when, that's, when that happened, some who were in Japan who have since migrated over to America. Uh, there was uh, the Japanese, of course, was one of the Axis powers and was Japan was uh, in World War II. Actually, the attack on Pearl Harbor is what some people say pushed America over the edge in getting involved in World War II in such a major way. Uh, I believe it was referred to as wakening a sleeping giant and a giant we turned out to be in our uh, industrial production capacity, which many people say was a large part of us winning the war. Well, you know, war always has two sides, and that is the side of the victor and the side of the loser. And for dropping the bomb, leading to the end of the war, of course, there was celebration in America, but I don't think there was celebration in Japan. And I had a chance to visit and experience some Japanese culture just uh, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weekends ago by going to L.A. and uh, just being immersed uh, in Japanese culture. I was actually uh, visiting a friend of the gathering in little Tokyo. And it's named Apple. And my, oh, my, the history and culture that was there. And we're, we're still trying to get that show together, and we're hoping to bring it to you today. There's so much stuff to talk about and then a short show today that I didn't want to do it this just uh, injustice by having that on today. But we will get to that. So we have the 50th anniversary of the Voting Rights Act. We have the 70th anniversary of the A-bomb on Japan. Going back to that 50th anniversary of the Voting Rights Act, that's one of the reasons why, as I said earlier, the show is being cut short today, is because at the uh, one of our local AME churches, they're going to have a program there, and they're going to have some speakers. They're going to have some panels. They're going to talk about the uh, significance of the Voting Rights Act then and the continuing significance of it today and how some people say that they're rolling back some of the provisions in the Voting Rights Act, which is actually a law now. We still call it the Act, but once it's uh, been signed by the president, it, it is a law. Uh, this is yesterday, August 7th, was Purple Heart Day. That's right. Purple Heart, the Purple Heart is our nation's oldest military medal or decoration. Uh, actually given out in the Revolutionary War by the then commanding general of America's army, uh, George General Washington, later President Washington, and he actually gave it out as, as for military merit. And if you look at the back of the Purple Heart Medal, for those of you who have it and haven't, and for those of you who have never had the opportunity to see a Purple Heart Medal, on the back of the medal, it actually has uh, valor and merit on the back of the medal. And that goes back to its very roots. And originally it was a sort of a purple 
sash uh, that was tied around the arms. It wasn't actual metal as we know it today. Uh, the Purple Heart is actually one of the most more difficult metals to create because of the way it's made. Uh, it's also one of the most valuable uh, metals uh, because of how it was traditionally made and what was traditionally in it. Like many of the higher metals, if we can refer to them that way, uh, these metals are controlled. And so if you have it, don't lose it, whether it's one that you earned or whether it's one that a uh, beloved family member has earned. And it is something, I believe, to treasure and pass down. You know, many people can talk about making sacrifice for this country, and many people do. They actually make sacrifices for this country. But how many people actually shed blood for this country? And and it is it is one thing to talk, and talk leads to action. But how many have actually experienced that? When you think about less than 1% of this country has served in the military or are currently serving in the military, and then when you think that of that 1%, Roughly 6% ever see combat. So 1% serve, and then just 6% of the 1% that serve see combat. And then of that 6% of the 1%, it is a minute number that actually sacrifice in blood and sometimes in life, leading to death such a small percentage. So August 7th is a day that was set aside to acknowledge the sacrifice and contributions of those Americans who have made the ultimate sacrifice of their life, of giving their life, and also of shedding blood. Uh, one of the significant things is most people who receive the Congressional Medal of Honor also are Purple Heart recipients because they've usually done something of such extraordinary valor and meritorious service that oftentimes it leads in injury to them, and sometimes it's injury to them as they've gone to save other lives. Uh, That injury all too often ends up in the death of that individual, but in more recent years, there have been more to receive the Congressional Medal of Honor who are alive and don't have to get it posthumously to their family. But again, most people, if not all, who received the Congressional Medal of Honor has also received the Purple Heart. A big shout out to all of the Congressional Medal of Honor winners as we t- celebrate the, and honor those who have received the Purple Heart. So we did want to take time to recognize that. I'm not so sure how many people are aware that there is a Purple Heart Day. And there is an organization called the Military Order of the Purple Heart that is set up. It's actually a congressionally designated organization for those American service members who have earned the Purple Heart. Those people that you can actually look at those people that you can actually see that have shed blood so that you can live 
the life that you're living now, whatever that life is, you're living in America. And to be quite frank, there are many countries who have the freedoms that they have to live as they're living, to whatever extent that is, because of the sacrifice of those men and women who we recognize on August, August 7th for receiving the Purple Heart. Because some of those countries have a level of freedom today that they would not have had had it not been for the sacrifice of American men and women who've earned that Purple Heart. Some people ask me, well, Rodney, what do you say to someone who has a Purple Heart? Do you congratulate them? Uh, or what do you do? And I, I, I said, you know, it really de- depends on you, but a simple thank you for your service, uh, thank you for your sacrifice. Uh, it, I mean, there's no mandatory greeting that I'm aware of, but since someone asked, I didn't want to share that on the show today, is a simple thank you for your sacrifice. We'll do. A thank you for your service. It's fine, too. That's what we do for most, if not all, and hopefully all of our military members. Uh, but since these folks are somewhat set apart because of them giving blood for this country, I thank you for your services. Thank you for your sacrifice. Or whatever you would like to say, we'll, we'll do. On Memorial Day, and I believe Veterans Day, 7-Eleven oftentimes allows military members to get a Slurpee for free. And I am a lover of Slurpees. Now, just in case you know someone who makes decisions at 7-Eleven, if you wanted to do that for Purple Heart Day, that would be fine, too. But really, uh, just being able to live in this country is, and to have survived whatever led to receiving that is all the things that's really required. Because I'm, I'm happy to have survived. I'm, I'm happy to have walked. I know many other members who received the Purple Heart that are that are that are still with us. You know, their their thing is that they're still alive. You know, the government does. Uh, if, assuming that whatever happened to you has led to a disability, our government does uh, provide some benefits for us, uh, both monetary and in actions for us. And and I want to thank you for that because that's allowed me to further my education in college. It's uh, there is some extra money involved due to the lack of taxes uh, being taken out for that percentage of my retirement pay that is designated due to the uh, receiving the Purple Heart. Uh, of course, I would like more because that's just how we are sometimes. But I'm very thankful for for what we do have and what we do get. I'm thankful really to be able to walk because being in that wheelchair was tough. And maybe we'll get into a little bit of that uh, later. So we have the 50th anniversary of the Voting Rights Act. We have Purple Heart Day. We have the A-bomb on Japan. But something I didn't have room enough to put in the title for. And the reason for that is because there's only going to be one 70th anniversary of the dropping of the A-bomb on Japan. There's going to be one 50th anniversary of the Voting Rights Act. And Purple Heart Day, though it will come around again, it will be another year. But there's, I believe, six scheduled Republican debates, and we had our first Republican debate this Thursday night, this Thursday evening. 
and I wanted to talk about that too. I just didn't have room enough to put it into the show title. I did put it into the title on Facebook, and big shouts out for those of you on Facebook who may be listening. And I'm glad that there were so many viewers to the uh, debate, and I know that there was probably a lot of people viewing that debate due to Donald Trump being in it and, of all things, leading it. But really, what would you expect? He does have name recognition, and he has been getting all of, if not most, of the political TV coverage. But as Americans, and we were just talking about the Purple Heart, the sacrifice of those, and what it has given us, allowed the lifestyle that has allowed us to lead here in America, oftentimes those people serve to preserve the freedoms that our Constitution talks about. And that was written in the Declaration of Independence. So we have a responsibility. Now, it's not against the law not to participate in our electoral process, nor do I want it to be against the law. I would hope that people would appreciate what we have enough and see the importance of it, that they will participate. And voting is a form of participation, but it's not just voting. Being aware of what the candidates stand for, telling the candidates what you want, holding the candidates accountable. But another way to learn about the candidates, which we should be knowledgeable about the candidates, is debate, whether we're talking about the uh, Lincoln-Douglas debate, uh, Nixon-Kennedy-Reagan-Carter debate. You know, there's famous lines or something unique about each one of those debates. Uh, The uh, President Obama uh, debates with well, Mitt Romney. Uh, and then, of course, there was the, the Republican debate last cycle with Mitt Romney. One of, the, one of the lines that will probably stand out to me, and there's a bunch of lines that stand out. I mean, there was a time when uh, there was a famous line with, uh, in the vice presidential debate uh, when it was mentioned that, uh, Senator, you're, you're, I, I, I knew Jack Kennedy, and Senator, you know Jack Kennedy. Uh, that line is a famous line. Uh, then there's, of course, President Obama. Uh, uh, Hillary, you're, you're friendly enough. Uh, that one resonates. There's a line with Ronald Reagan when, he, uh, when people were talking about his age and not in a positive light. And he had a famous retort that if they don't, uh, you know, he, he wouldn't, talk about the inexperience of his younger rival if they would stop talking about his age. So just so many memorable debates. Then, of course, there's Romney uh, and his comment to uh, Rick Perry, the former governor of Texas, actually the longest-serving governor of Texas, uh, when he wanted to make a $10,000 bet. I was watching Hardball with Chris Matthews on MSNBC, and, he's, and Chris Matthews said the way that Governor Romney made the bet or was trying to make the bet 
was as if he actually had $10,000 in his pocket that he was going to pull out. And just think, who in a debate is going to make a bet? And it does seem odd. Uh, there are some famous things that happened at debates. Uh, there was the uh, uh, then uh, Mrs. Uh, Hillary Clinton with, I believe, was Rick Lazio in, in New York when she was running for a Senate seat. And he sort of got into a personal space and was somewhat trying to challenge her and how that went over. Of course, we have another situation where uh, Al Gore invaded the personal space of uh, then-President Bush, or actually it was uh, Governor Bush running for president, and he got into his personal space. And and I still remember, you know, some of these things are funny. Uh, it was odd seeing Gore approach Governor Bush, but it was so humorous in the response when Governor Bush turns around and saw Senator Gore almost as if, oh, what are you doing here? But then he kind of gave him that sort of Texas nod of hello. And then he went to and a little uh, a slight smile, and then he went on to say what he was uh, finished saying what he was saying. So there have been those types of things that's happened. You know, debates. I know that they are somewhat scripted uh, because each candidate tries to, you know, save up some zingers, some comebacks. You have your moderators who have their scripted questions that they're going to ask. Uh, There's the formulaic way that uh, the time criteria and standards are set up. But there are some spontaneous moments. And the one with President, uh, well, later President Bush and and, uh, Senator Gore is one of them, the Rick Perry and Mitt Romney was one of them, Nixon, sweating like, well, they say sweating like a pig, but pigs don't actually sweat, but Nixon sweating in the first televised debate. You get a sense of who that person is, plus you get to hear them answer questions. Maybe not always the questions that you want them to ask, and maybe the questions aren't uh, followed up as much as you would like, but it is another opportunity to participate in the process. And we should participate in the process. So, yes, not only did I watch a portion of the debate, but I also recorded it. And I've gone back to it a couple of times just to make sure. And I think you should, too, because what happens is oftentimes later on they'll say, oh, well, I didn't say such and such a thing, or it was miscategorized. And then you can go back and look for yourself to see. Because our politicians, unfortunately, are not always truth tellers. They need our help in getting them back to the truth. Uh, We'll be right back. Going to take a couple seconds to do a station ID. You're listening to Our Own Voices Live. I am your host, Rodney Smith. My co-host is Mrs. Angela Thomas. She is out today. Our Own Voices Live comes on every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Normally lasts for 90 minutes until 2 p.m. That's 3.30 p.m. for those on the East Coast. Our topic today is the 50th anniversary of the Voting Rights Act. Purple Heart Day, the A-bomb dropped on Japan, and the Republican, the first Republican debate 
Once again, you're listening to Our Own Voices Live on Block Talk Radio. So, and, and thank you all for hanging around doing the station ID. So the debates are an integral portion of the process. And if we want the process to work to give us the best possible outcome, we have to be involved in as many aspects of the process as possible. And the debates are one of those aspects. Now, speaking of the debate, as you know, Nevada, not Nevada, it is actually Nevada. Nevada is one of the first primary and caucus states. You know, we, uh, Iowa and New Hampshire and a little in South Carolina, they get a lot of the buzz. And you don't really hear too much about Nevada, but Nevada, I believe, we're number three, and South Carolina is actually number four. But you hear them talking about South Carolina more than you hear them talking about Nevada. So Nevada is one of the first. And guess who's coming to visit us? As in just about all of the leading candidates have come. We're going to have a visitor next week from the GOP, Wednesday of next week, as a matter of fact, and it's going to be former Florida governor, Jeb Bush, he's coming to Las Vegas. Not only is he coming to Las Vegas, but he's coming to the hood. Neighborhood, we affectionately call it the hood. He is coming to Las Vegas, and he's going to be speaking at the Dr. William U. Pearson Community Center, the Dr. William U. Pearson Community Center. It's going to be Wednesday. I believe that's August 12th. Somebody check your calendar. And there's been not a lot of buzz because it doesn't seem that a whole bunch of people know that he's coming to visit Las Vegas and that he is actually coming to the community when he is in Las Vegas. But he is coming to Las Vegas, and he is coming to the community. I know some people have some heartburn with it. Actually, I don't. I am quite pleased and happy that he is coming to Las Vegas, my city, and that he's going to the Dr. William U. Pearson Community Center, a part of our hood, so that he can talk to a broader segment of our community. Yes, he is a Republican. Believe it or not, there are black Republicans. Maybe he doesn't always, we don't always see the Republican Party as representing our interests, but here's a newsflash. Nor do the Democrats. Now, as many of you know, I've shared it openly. I have been a Democrat. I have been an independent. I am not against listening to whatever, whoever has to say, or maybe letting them have an, giving them an opportunity to hear what we have to say. Because one way or the other, it's usually a Democrat or a Republican that sits in the White House. And we should want whoever that is to know how we feel know what we want, what our needs and desires, our hopes and aspirations are, where we hurt and where we flourish. So I, I'm hoping 
that Jeb Bush, this won't be his last time of coming to Las Vegas and coming to the community. And I'm hoping that he is the first of all of them that are running that will come to our community because we're voters too. And, you know, to be quite frank, it's not just black people who live in the community. It's about a third black, third Latino, Hispanic, and a third white. But it is good to know that he is actually coming to where a lot of black people are because it, it sort of shows to me, and I hope to you, that he's interested, interest, that he's thinking about us. All too often when we're having those lunches and those breakfasts, we talk about how we're ignored by the Republicans. And we have been ignored. But here's an opportunity to share our voice. And I'm glad that he's coming. I'm looking forward to him coming. If I can, I would love to get an interview with him. Now, usually their schedules are pretty tight. Like I said, this stuff is pretty scripted. But you never know. And I learned from women that you always ask the question. I mean, the worst that can happen is they can say no. And some might say, well, I don't want to hear what he has to say. Suppose he gets elected president. Well, if he gets elected president, he is the president of everybody. That means he'll be your president too. And wouldn't you like to know where he is, what he's, how he stands on stuff? Wouldn't you like for him to know what you want and what you need? So this is an opportunity, and it's an opportunity that I hope that you will embrace. Now, I know that some people are saying, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Well, if that's what you feel you need to do, hopefully you'll do it respectfully. Because what we do is we don't want them to feel unwelcome. Because when we do that, let me share a story. I talked, had a meeting with the chairman, the Clark County Republican Party here in Nevada. Las Vegas, and one of the one of the things he said is because he, he asked me, he says, "Latin, how can we reach out to the black community?" He says that the times when we have tried, it's almost like we stuck our hand out and it got slapped or ignored. And he says, "You know, people, we work on a pleasure pain principle. We, if it hurts." We tend not to do it again. And that made perfectly good sense to me. And some people say, oh, no, he's a politician, so he needs to. I don't disagree with you, but they're humans also. And humans tend to work the same. So I got what he was saying. And one of the things I suggested to him was to work with people in the community. I said to come and visit the community, not just in the political season, though, because when that happens, it looks like pandering. And I, I, we know that that's what happens, right? But I said, if you really want the people to feel, if you want to feel comfortable with the people, then get the people to feel comfortable with you. And the only way that happens is through contact, dialogue, communication. Let's have it. Let's do it. So I think it's a wonderful gesture. And, let, and let's push. And see, here's another opportunity. They're probably going to be, news cameras there from our local media and maybe some national news 
uh, folks there as well. And they're probably going to want to interview people. Here is a great time to put pressure on the other candidates, Republicans, but not just Republicans, Democrats too, because it's not like Democrats flock in that are running for president to our community. Or when they do, it's usually when they want our votes, no different from the Republicans. So here's an opportunity for us to get the word out, and then maybe people who hear it in other states that these candidates come to, that we want you to come talk to us because we're voters too, and we want to know what your vision is. We want you to know what our vision is. Maybe we'd love an opportunity to show you around, talk about our city. Now, we know they don't really have a whole lot of time because they have to go to this stop and there's so 50 states with a whole bunch of cities, right? I get that. But whatever it is that we can get out, it's an opportunity for us to share. One of the things that I put on the What Do Black People Want the Black Agenda page is what does black lives matter mean to them? And if they are in office, what would they do in support of the Black Lives Matter movement? That's a question that every person running for president that comes to our community should be asked. Heck, not even just our community, whatever community, because we're all Americans, right? But for sure, we should be asking, asking them that question. And then let's give them some suggestions. Uh, one of the things that happens is the body count. You know, there was a teen, I think he was 19 years old, in Texas, I believe it was just yesterday, that was shot and killed. Now, they were on their way to uh, the police there, law enforcement, do plan to have body cameras, but they don't have them yet. Now, there's some con- conflicts to the story of what happened. Now, the team was unarmed, no weapon at all, but they shot him. Now, he was 19 years old football player, college student. Now, that doesn't mean that the child was perfect, but it does, you know, give you another look because usually if they were a gangbang or something, they would say that. So on the out, it looks positive. We know that police do not always tell the truth. This is stuff that we've been saying for years. And now with the advent of phones with cameras on them and with body cams and dash cams, we get to see that. Uh, We had the Cincinnati police shooting where he said he was being drugged, therefore he had to shoot the person, when the video does not show him being drugged. And not only did did that police officer who, who pulled the trigger say that, but we, two of his peers collaborated his story. There was no camera that would be the narrative, right? So we believe that the federal government needs to do more with pushing these police cameras to law enforcement, but not just that. What I'm suggesting to you all is we need to have a clearinghouse of incidents. In other words, I believe on the federal level, Department of Justice somewhere, every time there's a case like this that happens, it should be sent up to them And then they should review it 
well, first of all, disperse it to everyone in law enforcement, and then do a review with suggestions and recommendations, but then leave it up to the local municipality to do with it as they will once they've seen it. That way they can be aware of it. But sometimes when you are aware of things, you conduct yourself differently. You can prepare yourself. You can train for it, right? Now, that is something that is maybe more on the federal level than the local level, but we need to our president, I believe, we need our presidential candidates to, to call for that, to ask for it. It's something simple. But it can make a huge difference. I guess what I'm trying to say is here's an opportunity. Now, things happen in life all the time. It's really dependent on what you do with that thing, whatever it is, determines whether it's a benefit or not. And what I'm saying is this is an opportunity. This is a benefit. Let's take advantage of this opportunity, of this benefit. I believe it's August 12th. We will have Florida Governor Jeb Bush visiting Las Vegas. I would encourage as many people as possible especially people of color, because he's coming to our community. But when someone comes to your house, that person is your guest. And when you have a guest, you should be on your best behavior. But this particular guest is an opportunity. Let's use that opportunity to the fullest. So, Voting Rights Act, how does he feel about what's happening to the Voting Rights Act? Does he feel that the provisions that were removed should be reinstated as an example? And let's let's get him on the record of what it is, and let's tell him what we would like for it to be. That's the other piece. See, it's one thing for him to tell us, and that's important, but it's another for us to tell him. It's like with the Black Lives Matter. So there's two things right there that we can discuss with Jeb Bush when he comes to visit. And, yes, I'm hoping that Donald, Donald Trump comes to visit us as well. Of all of the presidential candidates, I believe he is the only one or was the first one to come out and say what was going on is unacceptable. And it's horrible. Now, he also said that he thinks cops, police officers, shouldn't be depowered because they need to be able to do their jobs. But I will say to that, and then again on a presidential level, right, is let's review on a national level the powers and responsibilities that police have. Because even though they had all of this power and authority before, do they still need it, or do they need to be trained on how they should exercise it? Because on occasion, it seems like it's overly exercised. Just because you have the power to do something, the authority to do something, does not mean you should do it. If there's a person bigger than you, stronger than you, faster than you, 
men than you and has the power to inflict pain or damage or harm to you, does that mean just because they can do it that they should? Well, I sort of look at the police the same way. Sandra Bland, excellent case. She was stopped for a fairly minor violation, but it's still a violation, so I get it. I'm not upset with the stop, per se, the reason for the stop. But it was, and the police officer seemed courteous. That there was something that set him off, and what set him off seemingly was the cigarette. So it went from a stop of a minor incident that maybe his time could be spent best doing something else, maybe not. But nevertheless, he stopped her. But it escalated in costs. And so as a, a people looking at cost money, even if Sandra Bland had not expired, had not died, costs associated with arresting someone versus giving them a ticket or warning ticket or pulling up beside them and tooting the horn. You know, there's a lot of things that could have been done. But let's look at the cost, because when you have that patrol officer there patrolling, right, he finds something, okay, he's out there looking. That's what he's doing. He found something. He acts on it. Now, how much did it cost for him to issue her a ticket, to stop her, right, and issue her a ticket? How much did that cost compared to how much it cost arrest her his time because he has to bring her in, right? Or somebody has to bring her in. He had to call for backup, right? And then they had to go to work. They had to fill out a report. He had to fill out a now an extended report. Then it was the booking folks who had to book her into the jail. There's the people who had to search her. There's the, the administrative people, right? And then there's the jail space that we seem to never have enough of here. And while she's in jail, she has to eat, right? We're paying for that. And then let's take it to another level. She's in jail costing us money on housing, feeding her, and the care of her, which we can debate on what, how good the care was. But that's a cost to us as taxpayers. Do we want to have those extra costs when we don't need them? Let's take it down to the money because it's usually about the money, should we have those costs for something that could have been handled differently? And then if she has to meet the judge, it's the judge's time for a traffic violation. Those judges for traffic courts cost us taxpayers money. So this is, yes, Black Lives Matter issue, but it is an American issue because it costs us money. It costs us resources. I don't know if we think about it, and I know the focus is on Black Lives Matter, but for those people who don't care about black lives, because everybody doesn't, let's face it, I, you often talk about money. Conservatives often talk about conserving money, right? Well, here's a method to conserve some money. Don't bring people in for frivolous stuff. Don't escalate things to a point where it needs to be. This is something that we need 
national leadership on, national guidance. And whoever our presidential nominee is, Republicans, we want him to be aware, him or her, to be aware of that because Carly Figueroa, who was in the earlier debate, equated herself quite well. And we want all of them to come, and we want all of them to hear it. So that was, you know, the Republican debate was a good segue from the Voting Rights Act because nobody mentioned the Voting Rights Act at the, at the debates that I'm aware of. Well, here's an opportunity during this season of the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Voting Rights Act, and as these Republicans who are in the debates are coming to visit these different areas, this is an opportunity for us to let them know how we feel. And then because there are going to be cameras there, get that word out. Now, if we just go in and talk about, oh, the Republicans are no good, I'm not voting for you, you've never done this, you've never done that, you're always talking about our president, I'm not saying those things are not valid, but let's give them something to work on to benefit us that we can hold them accountable for. So the presidential debate by the Republicans, if you're a Democrat, maybe you didn't watch because you're a Democrat. I'm saying watch them because suppose that person, one of those people more than likely is going to be the Republican nominee. That's for sure, pretty much, right? Because usually it's a Democrat and a Republican. Of course, if they treat Trump bad, he he said that he would reserve the right to run as an independent. Well, still, it would be one of those people that were up there in the debates, one of the 17, seven in the first debate, 10 in the second, that's going to be running for president. In So we have the primary, then we have the general. At least one of those people will be in the general election. And Jeb Bush is coming to visit us next Wednesday. Hopefully he's coming to visit other communities. Be prepared to receive them with a hearty welcome. But have appropriate questions for him and them because we want that whoever becomes president to know we're here and to know our needs. We want to be able to give them something so that they can't say, so that they're not able to say, well, I didn't know. We have you on record. Here is on such and such a day. You visited such and such a city, and in this case, North Las Vegas, and this person asked you this question, and you said this or that. Get them on record. Sometimes that's the best we can do is to get them on record. You know, the, I said that, and I predicted that this election season and this process would make for the best reality, reality TV series that's ever been on television. There were 24 million people who watched that first presidential debate. 24 million. That's what? About an 11th of the entire country? 11th, 12th of the entire country that watched the debate? And heard 
those, each one of those contenders talk about Black Lives Matter after they've heard from us and how we feel about it and what we want them to say. That's the power of these things. Let's utilize the visits. Let's watch the debates. Let's press them on voter rights. As you go about your day, remember yesterday, August 7th, was Purple Heart Day. Let's remember that 70 years ago, a couple of days ago, was the 70th anniversary of the dropping of the A-bomb on Japan. How has that changed us? How did it change warfare? How does it change diplomacy? We have this big talk with Iran now dealing with nuclear power. How does it change us technologically? And, of course, we had the 50th anniversary of the Voting Rights Act that we're celebrating and recognizing this weekend in Las Vegas. I'm sure there's something going on someplace near you. Do some Google and Internet Facebook searches and see what's going on near you, and participate. As I am, as we come to the close of our show, going to get ready and go and participate, be a part of the audience, hear what's going on. You've been listening to Our Own Voices Live, Our Own Voices Live country every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the East Coast. That's 3.30 p.m. on the West Coast. Our topic today was the 50th anniversary of the Voting Rights Act, the 70th anniversary of the dropping of the A-bomb on Japan. August 7th was Purple Heart Day. And we talked about the first Republican debate. I ask that you be safe, be aware, gain information, conduct yourselves accordingly, support your family, do a good deed for someone, take care of yourself, Learn a little something. Pick one, all, and even more. If it's just one, it will do something to make someone better, and it just might be you. On behalf of my co-host, Mrs. Angela Thomas, you've been listening to Our Own Voices Live. We'll see you back next Saturday. And in the meantime and in between time, you can go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook and Our Own Voices on Twitter and leave us a comment, and let us know if there's something that you would like for us to talk about, and also let us know what you want to be aware of or to talk about. Until next week, be safe. Talk to you soon. Give somebody a loving hug. Bye-bye.